This show is a part of the podcast network of the Walled Garden Philosophical Society, an international community of philosophers and seekers dedicated to the pursuit of truth, wisdom, virtue, and the divine, wherever they may be found. To find out more, go to thewalledgarden.com. Hello and welcome to another episode of Soul Searching with Seneca. So today we're going to be focusing on about verse 5 through to, I think, verse 8 of Seneca's 18th letter on festivals and fasting. And in these verses, Seneca discusses an idea that is very common among his writings and is also very important to the Stoic philosophy in general. And it's this idea that we need to be preparing in peace times uh, to be able to deal with uh, hardships or suffering uh, with equanimity and and to, to be able to maintain our flourishing during those times as well. Uh, and so this is kind of where we get the idea of, you know, having these cold showers or practicing fasting, going with very little for a certain period of time to practice going without so that we see that it's not actually going to be that much of a struggle if it does come and hit us, right? And this is also such an important idea that really is timeless wisdom, right? Because we know that one of the best things that you can do to overcome fears, to overcome struggles in your life, uh, is actually to face them voluntarily, to face them little bit by little bit, so that you recognize that there's not much to be feared there. And this is exactly the same thing that the Stoics were doing back in the day, where they would practice these hardships so that they would know that there's not much to be feared and that they can still maintain that flourishing existence, even if they have very, very, very little. So we're going to get into this. I'll read these verses and then we'll dive in and see what we can take out of it. So he says, quote, set aside a certain number of days during which you shall be content with the scantiest and cheapest fare with coarse and rough dress saying to yourself all the while, Is this the condition that I feared? It is precisely in times of immunity from care that the soul should toughen itself beforehand for occasions of greater stress, and it is while fortune is kind that it should fortify itself against her violence. In days of peace the soldier performs manoeuvres, throws up earthworks with no enemy in sight, and wearies himself by gratuitous toil in order that he may be equal to unavoidable toil. If you would not have a man flinch when the crisis comes, train him before it comes. Such is the course which those men have followed who, in their imitation of poverty, have every month come almost to want, that they might never recoil from what they had so often rehearsed. You need not suppose that I mean meals like Timmins or Pauper's Huts, or any other device which luxurious millionaires use to beguile the tedium of their lives. Let the palate be a real one, and the coarse cloak. Let the bread be hard and grimy. Endure all this for three or four days at a time, sometimes for more, so that it may be a test of yourself instead of a mere hobby. Then, I assure you, my dear Lucilius, you will leap for joy when filled with a pennyworth of food, and you will understand that a man's peace of mind does not depend on fortune, for even when angry, she grants enough for our needs. There is no reason, however, why you should think that you are doing anything great, for you will merely be doing what the thousands of slaves and many thousands of poor men are doing every day. But you may credit yourself with this item, 
that you will not be doing it under compulsion, and that it will be as easy for you to endure it permanently as to make the experiment from time to time. Let us practice our strokes on the dummy. Let us become intimate with poverty, so that fortune may not catch us off guard. We shall be rich with all the more comfort if we once learn how far poverty is from being a burden. End quote. All right, so let's take a look at a few key moments in these few verses that really stand out to me. Uh, but, but, but first, I kind of want to uh, reiterate the point that I made at the start, which is that ultimately the theme that Seneca is bringing along here is, what are you afraid of? Now let's voluntarily face that fear so that we realize that it's really nothing to be afraid of at all. And, and, and we already know that previously in, in Seneca's letters, he's talked about this thing that, you know, the, the fear of poverty, the fear of having less in life is one of the biggest things that distracts us from the most important things in life, like gaining wisdom, like experiencing this moment, experiencing the true joy that, 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 that lives in each moment of our lives. And when we are governed by this fear of having less in life, then we're always going to be on that rat wheel, you know, just spinning and spinning and spinning, trying to get more and more and more, because it's never going to be enough. You know, and so many people are born and they are raised with this idea that what is good in life is finding the comfortable lifestyle, you know, having a nice home, nice car, nice family. And look, there's, there's nothing wrong with that stuff. There's nothing good or bad about having that stuff. But the Stoics would say that that's not the most important thing to aim at. The most important thing to aim at is a sound character, is virtue, is wisdom, is being a good person, not a person who has things, right? And, uh, and, and so that means that we need to train ourselves out of that way of thinking, right? And train ourselves to see that the most important thing is seeking that soundness in our character, that harmony within our being. That is the most important thing. And this is a way that you can practice it and train yourself out of that way of thinking that when you have a little bit less, it's somehow bad or frightful or agitating, right? And, uh, and so, what, I want to point out a few things in here that are kind of important to me, starting with where Seneca says that while you're practicing poverty, while you're going with less and wearing kind of scanty clothes and eating simple foods, uh, all the while you should be questioning, is this the condition I feared? Right now, this is so important. I've really learned this lately because I, I started doing cold showers. It's just the start of winter here. I got inspired by an old friend who I met up with and uh, and he told me that he was doing some cold showers. And I thought, well, you know, if I'm talking about stoicism all the time, I should probably get back into this and, and start practicing this again. So I've been doing that for, for a few weeks now. And one of the things that I've noticed is that it's really helpful not to just go into the activity mindlessly and, and just to do it for the sake of doing it, but to actually question all the way along, you know, ask yourself these questions. Is this something that I should be afraid of? What's the underlying narrative that is playing out in my mind when I'm afraid of having cold water on my body, right? And what does that mean that I'm telling myself about myself? This is philosophy, right? Philosophy is being mindful, is being attentive to the moment, attentive not only to the external surroundings, but to the internal workings that are going on inside your own mind and inside your own soul, you know, and listening to those narratives that are constantly flowing through your mind and picking them apart. That's what philosophy is all about. So it's very important that Seneca says here, 
all the while you should be asking yourself, is this the thing that I feared? Because you want to be questioning. It's not enough just to do the exercise. You don't get anything out of it just by doing it. You get things out of it when you pay attention and try to learn lessons from it. And then he gives this great analogy, right? He says that in the days of peace, the soldier performs maneuvers, throws up earthworks with no enemy in sight, and wearies himself with gratuitous toil, in order that he may be equal to the unavoidable toil. Now, I just love this analogy. It gives us such a great, firm picture in our mind of exactly what Seneca is trying to get across here. You know, because one thing that you might think about life is you definitely don't want to be a peacetime hero. Right now, peacetime hero is somebody when, you know, when life is calm and things are going well, uh, they, they give this image of being a certain person. They're very strong, very courageous, very, very useful, very good at what they do. You know, but then when the hardship comes along, when it really comes down to the wire and, and life throws some curveballs that way, uh, the peacetime hero inevitably uh, falls behind. You know, they, they trip over their promises. Uh, they are no longer the image that they had created of themselves. But what Seneca is saying here is, you know, like the, the wartime hero, the true soldier, the soldier who is going to do very well up against any sort of calamity, is he who, when peace is happening, when things are calm and, and, and settled, he is still throwing up earthworks, he's still practicing, he's still putting himself to the test, so that he knows that when the hardships of life come, and they will come definitely to every single person, no matter who you are, something is going to come and trip you up in your life. And Seneca is saying, in the calm times, you need to be like this soldier and you need to prepare yourself so that when those hardships come along, you will be prepared and you won't just be revealed as a peacetime hero. You will absolutely be able to deal with these things effectively and you'll realize that you don't need to be so afraid of them. All right, so the next thing that Seneca says that I find really interesting is that he warns us against doing this in a fake way, you know, because we can kind of trick ourselves into thinking that we're actually doing a, a sound practice of discipline and, 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 and challenging ourselves, right? But he's saying, no, 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 don't, look, don't do it like these millionaires who see here who are kind of just doing this as a show or as a pastime. You want the bread to be grimy and old and, you know, you want, you want it to be a real challenge for yourself. And so he's just warning us against doing this in a fake way and saying, if you're going to challenge yourself, make it something that is actually going to be difficult for you to overcome so that you can really put yourself to the test. Otherwise, it's pointless, right? And, and, and this is kind of a, an age-old truth that we always want to be pushing ourselves just beyond what we are capable, right? Just to that edge. And that's that's where peak performance lies, you know, that's where flow state is, is found. It's when we push ourselves to that state where we know that we're going beyond our own boundaries and that is where true growth comes from as well. So Seneca is saying here, make sure that you do this and you push your own boundaries, do it correctly and do it right from the start so that you know that you can definitely handle this. And perhaps one thing to think about here is that old saying that competence creates confidence, right? What we want here is confidence in, in face of the trials of life. We want confidence in face of the things that are definitely going to hit us in our life and, and, and throw us to the curb, right? And we only get that confidence, we only get that ability to deal with those uh, situations well when we are competent at dealing with them and when we understand what it feels like to go through them. 
one thing you might think about is, uh, let's take, say you took like a, a Formula One race car driver, right? They've trained their whole life uh, to drive these cars under these crazy conditions, extremely fast around difficult courses, right? Now, how confident do you think that that driver is going to be when they're just driving on the highway in a regular car? You know, they're probably going to be very confident that no matter what happens, they'll be able to deal with the situation. And the reason is because they've dealt with harder situations all the time in their practice, right? So that's what we want to do. We want to practice these things so that we train ourselves out of the fear of the, uh, of the unforeseen events in life. And that way, when they hit us, we're going to be confident, right, in, in face of them. And not only that... But Seneca makes a very good point here. He says that you will leap for joy when filled with a penny worth of food. So what he's saying is that if you truly practice going without for certain periods of time, if you truly test yourself, put yourself to the test and see what you're made of, right? Then you'll realize what a true joy and, and you'll realize what a, what, a, what true pleasure can come from having very little in life, even if it's a tiny little bit of food. You'll realize how fortunate you are to have that. And you'll realize that you can get so much more joy out of life if you actually see what is in front of you. And this is the strange thing about human perception, right, is that we become unaware over time uh, of the things that are common, the things that are frequent, the things that are habitual in our lives, and they just become second nature to us. We don't necessarily see them. It's kind of like, you know, you've probably had that experience where you drive to a location where, uh, you, you know, where you often go to, it could be work, and you just realize once you get there that you don't remember anything about that trip. You don't remember anything that you saw on the way. You were kind of just in this kind of hypnotic trance uh, where your perceptions are blocking out what is common and what often happens. A great example of this from my own life is I, I remember that last year, my, my wife and I, we were sitting in the Alex Beach Surf Club, um, uh, which is a, a few kilometers from our house. And, you know, we were kind of looking at the beach and we were, we were looking up at the hill in between Alex Beach and Malulabar Beach. And it was this beautiful scene. And I remember looking at that and thinking, you know what? If we were in a different country right now, and this was the first time we were seeing this scene, we would be absolutely amazed at how beautiful this place is. But how often do we actually stop and look at where we live and look at where we get to go and think, this is absolutely stunning? We don't do that because uh, it's so easy when you live in a certain place to just become unaware of how lucky you are to be there. And this thing happens with the kinds of foods that you eat, the kind of people that you're around. Everything in life kind of fades into the background when you don't take the time to pay attention to it. So Seneca is saying here, when you practice going without the things that you habitually have in your life, then when you do have them, you're going to be aware because you've, ha you've, you've had that experience of, of going without them. And now you're shocked back into an awareness of just how fortunate you are to have these things in your life. All right, so there's a couple more pieces of the puzzle that I want to put together here. Uh, the first one being that uh, he, he kind of warns us against pride when it comes to having these doing these exercises, which is very, very useful because you can become very prideful and think that, oh my gosh, look at me, I'm, I'm doing this great exercise and I'm becoming more disciplined and, and look at how great I am. But he says, you know, don't do that because you will merely be doing what many thousands of slaves and thousands of poor men are doing every day. And, and, and so the, the point that he's trying to make here is that, you know, don't think that you're so special. People do this all the time. 
But one thing that you can take pride in, one thing that you can at least be grateful for that you're getting out of this exercise is that you are training your mind so that when those things come along in life, if they do, you know, the hardships of life, you're not going to be forced to deal with them by necessity. You'll know what they look like. You'll know what they feel like and you'll know how to deal with them. So you're training yourself, right? And that's one thing that you can uh, be grateful for about this exercise. But to take pride in it, you know, uh, don't become that person. It's, it's not a pretty sight at all. And we all know that. Okay, so finally, there's one more piece of this puzzle. And he says that we shall be rich with all the more comfort if we once learn how far poverty is from being a burden, right? So I, I think that essentially what he's saying here and what we can take away from this is the money is not the thing that is going to bring you the happiness, right? What truly brings you flourishing in life is when you change, not when your external uh, circumstances change. And this is why, you know, it's, a, it, it, it's, it's an age-old truth that wealthy people are not necessarily happier than people who have less, right? That it's just not true. And you hear this from so many people. It's, it's, it's spread throughout our culture, and it's important that it's spread throughout our culture because we need to know that the only time when you truly get something different out of life is when you become different, when you change internally, And I want to touch on something here, probably before we end this episode, right? Because uh, there's a distinction that needs to be made. Because when I say something like that, that money isn't the thing that brings true fulfillment or happiness, right? Something sticks at the back of my throat and makes me think, "Ah, do you really believe that? Do you truly believe that? Because I recognize that there are times in my life where I might get something new or, you know, add, uh, you know, whether it's buying a new book or getting a new computer or, you know, there are things that we get in life that you recognize and we all recognize that it feels good to have these externals, right, to get them. Now, the difference is, I think, the difference between pleasure and joy, You know, I think that pleasure is getting that new item. Pleasure is, you know, having some sort of external item added to your collection. Pleasure is fulfilling some sort of bodily desire, right? Uh, That's a word that I think is it's much much more associated with fulfilling our desires and our 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 kind of addictions, you might even say, right? Uh, But when I think about the moments in my life when I experience true joy. It all comes from an internal place. You know, it comes from a place of when I change or when I learn something new or when I grow, when, when I achieve something from within myself, right? That, that is true joy, you know, when you recognize that you don't see the world the same way that you used to, when you recognize that you have changed so much that, that you're almost a different person compared to who you used to be. When you form strong relationships with people, when, when you give of your service, of, of yourself to other people, when you contribute to the fabric of humanity, when you see that kind of personal growth and that, and that understanding of who you are, you know, know thyself, when you know thyself, let me tell you something, no greater joy comes than when you know more about who you are, you know, when you, when you penetrate the mysteries of your own self. Uh, man, that is some true joy when you can, you know, start to build that relationship with yourself and understand who you are to a deeper degree. Uh, that's true joy. 
And that's the stuff that the Stoics are trying to teach us about. The Stoics are trying to get us to walk that path to true joy, not just to the fulfillment of pleasures, not to just to the fulfillment of our desires, right? Uh, joy is the thing that we're after because that is a lasting feeling that does not fade away a few, day, a few days after you get it. All right, so to sum up, what we're looking for here is to rehearse going through the hardships in life so that we realize that they will not be so damaging to us. To know uh, that truly the most important thing is soundness of character, not the things that happen to us or the things that we get. You know, to understand the joy that exists in, in the stuff that we do have around us if we will just see how lucky we are to have them. You know, to not be a dick about uh, the way that we practice these things, to not uh, feel the need to be prideful about our, our practice of philosophy, to, to understand that the questioning is the most important thing when you're doing these exercises. That's what philosophy is, is the questioning of your internal world and, and seeing what's actually going on in there. What are those underlying narratives that you're thinking or feeling or believing? right? And, and to know that when you have done these things, when you have practiced going without, then the stuff that you do have in your life, the joys that uh, you could be experiencing in your life will start to flourish because you know what it's like to go without them and you'll see what you truly have in front of you. So hopefully that's a, a, an okay summary of what we've talked about today. I hope you've enjoyed this episode and I'll talk to you next time. 